This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 13, take one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 13th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Today, we have the latest movie news in the checkup with Dr. O. We give our review of the HBO documentary, Maradona. And we have our top billing today of the top movie pets in history. So strap in for the 13th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Gentlemen, gentlemen, welcome, welcome back, welcome back. I come after a hard-fought, hard-earned victory in last week's top billing. We let the people decide, and ultimately, they elected Nez, the reigning top billing champion of the world. Asterix. How was your guys' week? Okay, let me just step in. I'm still like, first off, I want to say to the listeners and to you guys, happy holidays. We're coming off Thanksgiving week. Uh, I'm still feeling stuff from Thursday and from leftovers from the entire weekend. But let me just address something here, okay? Obviously, Ricky Flux has pointed out a major flaw, right, in last week's top billing, right, with an asterisk. But I would also like to point out that Nez, in his own tweet, decided to quote tweet the drive-in pod with the poll, and it said, vote for Nez. He was campaigning campaigning for his top billing quote-unquote victory. Ricky Flex, are we okay with this? Not only are we not okay with this, we also do not pander to our audience. Nez? A win's a win. You play to win the game. That's what drives me. At the end of the day, I want to be the greatest top biller to ever be on this podcast uh i will win at all costs this does not count as a win the though. bus the people have spoken guys that doesn't mean straight up if you just don't buy by the rules the people the people have the people have spoken the people have spoken okay so your followers uh, have spoken your followers listen everybody else could have campaigned on their own no it was not to so no, you I lost i lost I, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, better luck next time. But after I need- looking at my top billing for the top movie pets of all time, I, I don't see how I'm not going back to back, to be honest. So, um, you know, that being said, uh, <laughs> I love that. Motivational. It's more lo- material love- at this point. And it's just, I'm like, I'm just going to let my picks speak for themselves. And when that graphic goes up there that Ricky Flex is putting together, like, I think, I think the results will speak for uh, the effort I'm putting into this. Well, they can't speak for themselves, Dr. O, because they're pets, so they don't speak English. <laughs> All right. Well, we're supremely divided on that. I don't think anything's going to change about that situation there, but let's move on to the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us up. All right, Nez, let me check 
the audience up. Okay, here we have a couple small stories from this week. Nothing too major like last episode with Wonder Woman 1984. But we do have some uh, casting news along with a, a reunion between a famous duo, or I should say trio here. You have Channing Tatum reuniting with Phil Lord and Chris Miller of the 21 Jump Street franchise for a new Universal Monsters movie. This is in the same vein as uh, The Invisible Man and along with uh, The Wolfman that's coming with Ryan Gosling. But uh, this Channing Tatum film, it's untitled, but it's going to focus on one of Universal's classic monsters like Dracula and uh, like Wolfman, and it's going to be set in modern times. So, Ricky Flex, what do you think about this new uh, – well, what do you think about Channing Tatum joining this monster's realm for Universal? This is great. You have Gosling, and now you have Channing Tatum coming into the fold. I think it's great, not only for Universal, but for us as viewers. We always want to see the biggest stars in the biggest movies, and these movies have been pretty – pretty pretty big uh, in recent memory and honestly Channing Tatum he's kind of been out of the fold recently he his last huge movie that he was the actual star in and not actually the sole star was Logan Lucky back three years ago in 2017 and before that he had LC's right not even the main star in that that was 2016 I believe and Hateful Eight was 2015 with Magic Mike double XL Like he hasn't really been in the fold and and he had Jupiter ascending. I think that kind of hurt him. That was more recent. I think that was uh, 20, whatever it was in recent times, but he hasn't, he needs to get back in the fold. And this is a big project with Chris Miller and Phil Lord, just two guys that know what they're doing, especially uh, with stars as they have plenty of experience, uh, like with uh, and plenty of their experience, like with the Lego movie like a Batman movie and then Jago 22 jump street with Channing Tatum. They just, and cloudy with a chance of meatballs. They have experience with these stars and they'll help Channing Tatum get back to the forefront. <laughs> I'll get that last one. <laughs> I'm with all those stars that like, you know, like you have the jump street franchise, you have cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of as many Phil Lord movies as possible. Is this going to be a, is this going to be a comedy? I'm confused. All the movies that you just listed were comedies. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, another, another thing I want to say is I think Universal going back to its almost its roots or I guess the industry's roots itself with these old monster horror movies. I think it's really cool. I'm 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 really encouraged by it. Uh, have you guys ever been to Universal Studios? No. You've never been to Universal it's a Studios? That's disappointment in my life. And you've been to Disney World, but you never went to Dis- Universal Studios. They're across town from each other. You just got to okay. do it while you're in town. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, well let me tell you. I used to go there when I was younger. Uh, and one of the funnest things were looking at all of the uh, behind the scenes makeup stuff. And I, I remember seeing, you know, they did like um, special effects shows and stuff like that. And they would show you practical special effects that they would do in the old movies. They would have old makeup done of like Dracula or, or werewolves and, and old monsters. Um, and this just reminds me of that. It reminds me of an of an era, excuse me, not an era, an era in horror films and films itself when, you know, monsters and, and this kind of traditional horror story that's been told over and over again, you know, throughout history, whether it was written in a book or done in a play or something like that. Uh, but it's kind of almost retelling that story. Um, and, you know, Hollywood always comes back and kind of repeats itself. Um, but I haven't seen anybody do uh, you know, a really good werewolf movie or, or anything like that in a, in a long time. Twilight definitely doesn't count. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm really excited. Oh, excuse me. Underworld was a sick movie. 
let me not forget that underworld is sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I'd like to see Hollywood almost going back to its roots, Universal Studios going back to these old movies. Uh, I know Nosferatu goes back to like 1912 or, ni- or early 1900s when, when that movie was made. And that's about Dracula. So, um, you know, Dracula, the, the actual book, I, I read it in AP, uh, in AP English. I don't remember when that came out, but it was really a long time. Ago. Humble brag AP. No, I, I didn't do so well in AP English. <laughs> and I, I don't think I read all. Oh, no, I, I didn't read Dracula. I've read Frankenstein. Excuse me. Well, I, I read Frankenstein in high school, too. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I agree with all your takes there, Nez. Uh, I think it's great that we have these monsters coming back and, like, making a splash, especially with the success from The Invisible Man. And then we had the uh, earlier announcement uh, for a couple months ago with Ryan Gosling and Lee Wannell. I remember that was part of the checkup a few months ago. But I'm, I'm excited to see which character they choose. Because the Wolfman's being taken by Gosling. We have the Invisible Man already. So what else is left on the table? You could have like a Frankenstein type of movie. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that type of movie. Or they dive into something new. Uh, you got some creative minds with Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They are, as Nez said, you, they are very popular in the comedy genre. So I think this is cool that we're getting to see them kind of uh, branch out, right? They also, they did Spider-Verse, okay? They won an, they won an Oscar for Spider-Verse. That's and, the one I was thinking of. Right. Like, Claudia, you thought of Claudia with a chance yeah. for the Spider-Verse. Terrible. My apologies. <laughs> but uh, That's I, Flix's favorite movie. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's, it's not bad. bad. It's on repeat. But it's great to see them venturing out. And they're also doing a movie. Speak of Ryan Gosling, our, uh, Ricky Flex. Am I wrong that they're doing a movie with Ryan Gosling, a space movie? Is that correct? Yes, I, yes, I believe so. Um, Project Hail Mary, I believe. Project Hail Mary, yes. You brought that up, I think, last episode. I brought it up with the race to the Oscar. Drew, two episodes ago. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. I mean, just who do you guys think? Do you guys have any guesses who they might – who you want to see, I guess, Channing Tatum in the role? Jonah Hill, no. No, like, oh, who they should play? <laughs> no, sorry. I, I thought you meant as, like, a side – like, another character, another actor in the movie. You Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde with Jonah Hill and Shane Tatum. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. But no, I, I have no idea like what monster or story. I, would, I can't honestly, because like Dracula was a rumored one. I just can't picture that because like obviously werewolves already taken. I'm just trying to think of someone that's like physically built like Channing Tatum like as that monster. Kind of has, uh, dude, I, I hate to say it. And I hope, he, like, I hope he never listens to this episode, but he's got kind of like a rectangle-ish head. Like he kind of looks like Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, you know? to put but a couple extra that, feet that, on that, him. That, yeah. that would that would be terrible. I gotta take that back, Channing Tatum. I love you, but I haven't seen him do anything. That's a great. Point. Magic Mike playing Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's called that's, that's a versatile actor right there. Jeez. But um, let's keep on moving with the checkup. We have uh some streaming news, some streaming versus theater news. We have Godzilla vs Kong. Uh, it's most likely going to stream. It's most likely going to streaming as a bidding war is erupting between HBO Max and Netflix. Uh, Netflix has reportedly offered two hundred million dollars for the movie. However, Warner Media, who owns HBO Max, is looking to keep the movie in house, so it's looking like it's going to be released on HBO Max. Uh, and it's anticipated that it will get some type of theatrical release and it could look similar to what was just announced with Wonder Woman 1984. What do you guys think about this monster franchise with Godzilla Kong? What do you think about it going to streaming? Nez, what do you think? I think that Godzilla is going to wipe the floor with Kong wherever he yeah. is, okay? Um, let me just say that. Uh, I don't care about the streaming wars, <laughs> full disclosure, mm-hmm. but Godzilla, my boy, breathes fire. 
Okay. At least in some, in most of the adaptions, I've been a fan since I was four years old. I used to watch Godzilla VHSs from Blockbuster. Get at me. Uh, King Kong. Sorry, bro. You're my boy. Godzilla's going to literally mop the floor with you. Can, can you even swim King Kong? He's going to be under the water. He'll sneak up, come get you from, un- from behind, maybe blow some fire in here just to yeah. mess with you. Oh my God. Geography is key here. No it's chance. The obliteration. Geography is yeah. key. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, where where are they going to go? And Not only is it fire, it's blue fire. Like it's like crazy looking fire coming out of Godzilla. It's yeah. I don't even know what. Shoot, I didn't even see the second one, but I saw the first one. I do want to see the second one because I, that poster of when Godzilla it's electric the air is going, <sighs> King you know, of Monsters straight up like King of the Monsters. But like, I didn't quite get the audio of that. Can you repeat that? How was Godzilla? What was he doing? <sighs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> No, but going along with that, like the action scenes are great, and like although the dramatic plot lines aren't necessarily the greatest, but you don't go see the movies for that. You should go to see Godzilla fight some other monsters, and that's what's worrying me here is that I want to see this movie in theaters. I saw the first Godzilla twice in theaters, and I the literally first only Godzilla. the first Godzilla in this like new age Brian Cranston, the Brian Cranston yeah, one. Aaron oh, okay, got it, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, not yeah, yeah. But uh, man, lost my train of thought, but. With this guy, though, like I saw, like that one, I saw it twice because the action scenes were so good on the big screen. I want to see that on the. I want to see this new one on the big screen, especially Kong versus freaking Godzilla. It's gonna be electric. I don't want to see that on my little computer or HDMI setup on my uh, TV. It's just not gonna do it for me the first time I see it. I agree, man. And like I, like I wanted to see, like I feel like Godzilla. That's a made for the movie theaters type of like film. Right, that's where it's supposed to be. It's where it's where it's been so popular for different decades. When you've seen different Godzilla movies come, uh, so it's going to be interesting. And then, like China, Godzilla is huge. Like like I, that these this, this franchise of movies. So it's like if they don't have a theater showing Godzilla, like you're missing up. You're missing out on this like great opportunity, right, to release this movie there, not on a streaming service. So I think that's also comes into that's. I think it comes into play, but. uh I don't know. I, I still have to see the sequel. I, I know it didn't do that well critically or commercially, but I mean, when you put these two Titans together, I assume it's just going to make a zillion dollars, right? Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, non-pandemic. these movies, they always have. All right, just a quick drive-in podcast trivia. How many Godzilla movies have they made? Oh, God. I, I've heard of one, like one Nine. like very early on that it was like that featured the monsters from the second one that I don't know how many there are, mm-hmm. but uh, just see. give us, give give us a guess. Let's see. Nine. You can't said, guess the same thing. Come on. You said nine. I yeah. said nine. Oh, 10, <laughs> 18. Are we locking in 18 for flick? Hey, wait, so no, it's I'm like, still a nine. Like but man went, so the way you like laugh. Is right. Style. <laughs> You're still all right, so you're still nine. Flicks Flicks's submission is nine. Doctor O, final submission, give it to us. You said ten. I said ten. Said ten. All right, there's thirty five. Jesus. Thirty six if you include Godzilla vs. Kong. I was some were made in, in um in Japan from you know nineteen fifty to like the nineteen eighties. Yeah. They Dang they were just it. pumping them out back in mm-hmm. the day. Um but those are the ones like that I've one seen, every other I've year, seen, like Godzilla vs. Megalon and stuff like that. That's like, what I'm saying. Like all those different ones that are like there's so many random. There's like 17 different monsters that Godzilla fights in that. Like I guess was that the cinematic? Maybe it was. It wasn't even a cinematic universe. I think they were just all right. Like here's a new Godzilla movie and 
Mm-hmm. Godzilla's just gonna fight somebody else. Like we're just gonna make it because people like Godzilla. Play the hits. It was sick. The hits. That's what I love though, and, and and this is you know it would be cool if they did this. I know it's gonna be just like CGI Godzilla versus CGI uh, King Kong, but like. What was cool about Godzilla back in the day and what almost makes it still fun to watch is all the practical effects where Godzilla is basically an action figure in a mini city that's been built. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. I, I would love for them to, to come back with like a mastery of that. Um, it would be really, it's like so expensive to do that in time consuming, which I guess is why people just resort to CGI these days. But that, you know, those old Godzilla movies where it's basically like almost like a Godzilla like robot or like on strings or something like that. Yeah. And they're just adding special effects and they've built, they've built this mini set, but they bring right. the camera close enough where it looks like it's a big city and Godzilla is a huge beast. Like I love those kind of effects. I love seeing stuff like that. Uh, and, and it's something that, you know, I kind of miss from old Hollywood, but um, you know, it, it's at least good to see these you know these stories come back just like we said with uh you know all the monsters universe and uh that universal is doing um it's just it's it's cool to see something like godzilla come back all it's, it's still you know kicking in 2020 yeah. people want to say the avengers is the best franchise what about godzilla he's been around <laughs> on screen at least longer than the avengers mm-hmm. definitely definitely longer all right uh next up on the checkup we also we have some like uh, very interesting news within the drive-in world, okay, in our social media. So we had our first legitimate controversy uh, on Twitter, and what happened is we had a teaser for an upcoming a certain upcoming live-action movie uh, on Clifford the Big Red Dog, and it revealed what Clifford was going to look like for this upcoming movie that's set to debut in November of 2021, literally a year from now. They revealed Clifford, and it wasn't exactly what we all hoped it would be. It wasn't exactly a... uh, It didn't really define itself in any way that we found to be suitable enough, where to be to fit the criteria for loyal Clifford fans. So we sent out a tweet voicing our displeasure 2,500 likes later, not a big deal. Uh, Like 20 retweets and then 20 quote tweets and 20 replies, like a bunch of other stuff. We basically had some controversy going on in our inner uh, social media world, but boys, let's get into more specifics here. So we saw, we saw nothing but Clifford here and his size comparison, his look compared to other dogs. Mm-hmm. What are our takeaways? We'll start with you, Nez, on this uh, rendition of Clifford. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it. The the dog's color just doesn't look like a solid red. It looks like a dyed red that that just looks a little strange. I don't know. It's just throwing me off. Uh, I don't even know why they felt the need to make this movie. I guess because everything's getting a live action adaption. But why couldn't they just make an animated movie or something? Like, why does it have to? Everything have to be live action these days. Mm-hmm. And Clifford looks like he's he's just been spray painted or something, or covered in some sort of red chalk. It's not a solid red. It's not the red that I'm used to in the cartoon. It just looks a little weird. It looks a little bad. Um, and, and, and I'm just not sure why they're doing it. Like, at least make it be animated, or he's animated or something. Make it more childish. Like, even, I don't know, just, 
this just looks like they di- they literally dyed him. I know it's like big dye or whatever you want, like not harmful to the dog at all. Or like, so I know so I saw some uh, some tweets saying that they doused Clifford in blood. Like after you, that wasn't in our thread. That wasn't. It wasn't in this thread, but it was Looking just like, like ghost after the battle gets, of the bastards. <laughs> I think it just gets to the point where he looks terrifying, you know, and it's just shocking they would do this. Get it together over there. <laughs> I'm still no, like, here's here's one thing I this. learned. This is all right. So this was the drive-in's big break. Was was this? This is our biggest tweet yet. I mean, it got so many likes and responses that we had no idea what to do with it. But one thing I learned was that the internet is just like a crazy place. Like people will argue with you over anything. Mm-hmm. Like people were coming at our throats. Like he wasn't spray painted. It's clearly CGI. Also, there's pe- yeah. It's like right. I, I don't really want to go back and forth on whether or not it, we're we're just kind of clowning the, the the Clifford movie because it's just like why are we making it? But <laughs> of course, it. the internet being the internet, there has to be a couple people that just want to argue with us and go over stuff. I also saw somebody say you know comments on the size of Clifford's poos and whatnot, and then somebody else responded with a Jurassic Park picture of poo. I, I just the internet is just such a strange place, and I I learned a lot this week from our viral tweet i agree and then we and then like we we were having fun because a lot of these people liking our tweet and then replying to it didn't know who we were they didn't know that we were like a, a pretty much a, com- a comedy based site and now we make jokes all the time and mm-hmm. so like they but a lot of people were liking our tweet because i like in the tweet we said like it looks like the dog was spray painted and then we also have like PETA activists like liking and like replying to our yeah. tweet. <laughs> it's just like the internet. And then you also have people saying, because I also complained about the size of the dog. I was like, this is not Cliff, the, Clifford, the big red dog. And then I posted right. a picture of like the book Clifford, right? And then him the size of like leaping over this fence, the size of like two buildings. I was like, this is the size of Clifford, the big red dog. Then everyone kids coming at me also saying like, oh, it was a ba- like, he's a baby, he's a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just, a ridiculous tweet. And, and people were, were talking about the growth biology and the, the life uh, of right. Clifford. And, you know, well, you know, it would have to be a puppy and he had to grow. It's just well, like if we get into that for just a second here. All right. Mm-hmm. I know we were just joking around, but after just this whole chaos and all these different forces effect, we had the PETA people and the dog, like just all these different forces. I looked into a little bit. Clifford. A lot of hands up. Clifford is supposed to be 25 feet tall, like seven and a half meters. And in the picture, mm-hmm. he's only 25 inches slash two meters tall. And Clifford is only two years old in the books slash like uh, show. So I just want to say for all these people, like those are the facts. All right. <laughs> you do what you want with them. That's just the facts. But I also wanted to say what also was like so funny, like when I saw Clifford in as that image it like it was so unremarkable like i right. heard that, yes like i heard someone say that um or i, I read it when i like in one of the tweets it just looked like there was no effort put into the dog it was it mm-hmm. looked like like the spray paint and it would have looked like more effort if the if they actually like did like a sonic the hedgehog type of thing where they did the cgi slash live action and that's what like he looks like he's a cartoon like he's supposed to be like not look he doesn't look real because he's the biggest as big as a house your first thought should be holy crap this dog is huge yeah oh my god there's spray paint to the dog and they're teasing this movie a year early 
like you got to show that the dog at full mass. Yeah, like, yeah, you can't do this. Excited, right? Yeah, there's no point. It's like, oh, we're gonna show baby Clifford. Why do you think think people watched the show or read the book? They wanted to see the freaking big red dog. It's in the name. Yes, exactly. And then it just looked. It literally looked like my dog. It looked like my dog. Yeah, it was red. It was very underwhelming. Um, that does it for Clifford the big red dog. We're still getting like literally like three, three or four days later. We're still getting tweets about it. (laughs) Um. So, uh, last bit on the checkup, we have Joaquin Phoenix teaming up with acclaimed horror director Ari Aster for an upcoming horror thriller titled Bo is Afraid. So, this is Aster's third directorial project to date after previously working on uh, Hereditary with Tony Collette and Midsummer with uh, Florence Pugh. Uh, the synopsis for the movie is Bo learns of the death of his mother under mysterious circumstances and upon traveling home makes an alarming discovery about his past. During his journey, he runs into various crazy supernatural threats. So Flex, what do you think about uh, the, the this duo? Amazing. Ari Aster, of course, hereditary Midsummer. If you haven't seen him, go see him or not go, but watch him online. Amazing <laughs> films that just solidifies the new era of horror psychological thrillers. Just Ari Aster does a great job with these films. Highly recommend. Check them out. And with Bo here, um, Ari Aster actually did a short seven-minute film on the story in 2011. So he he knows the story in and out really well. I did not see it, so I can't comment on it and how good it was. But like obviously, it has enough legs as in it's good enough to go to a full-feature film with one of, if not the hottest actor in Hollywood right now, Joaquin Phoenix. And going so on, hot right now, but with Hawking Phoenix as well, my last point, just he is perfect for this type of role. He's just always been that weirdo psychological freak show in every, like in his best roles, like in the master or his recently Oscar mm-hmm. Academy award winning performance in Joker. So this is just a perfect uh, movie for him and pairing him with Ari Aster is just going to help him along the way. What about you, Nez? Anytime Walking Phoenix is cooking something up, uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to go after. I'm I'm, yep. I'm excited about it. Um, him teaming up with this director, I'm I'm also excited about that. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I haven't heard a ton of buzz about this movie. Uh, I bet I mean it's mostly it's very fresh at the moment, but I'm excited to hear about you know what else is coming out of that camp. It's weird, you know, this at this point in Hollywood, we almost know whether a movie is going to be good or bad before it even hits the screens. So uh, I'm excited to kind of follow this movie closely over the next couple months and, and uh, see what happens there. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great that he's coming out with this with Ari Aster. And then he has kit bag that we talked about here on the driving podcast a few episodes ago with uh, Joaquin mm-hmm. playing Napoleon with Ridley Scott. Like it's going to, this is just back to back great upcoming roles for Joaquin and for us as viewers to see him in and really shine with these great directors. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool to see that he got his Oscar Right, he secured it, and then he's still going after these roles. Not even a year afterwards. Like yeah. we had, like when a lot of times when actors, there's like these uh, very uh, like critically acclaimed, and like they've been searching for that Oscar for years. They finally get it. Leo's a great example. After they finally get it, like it's like a sense of relief. They take some time off. Okay, and now we have a situation where Joaquin is going after two more 
right? Really appealing roles. One, like obviously you're playing Napoleon with Ridley Scott. Like that's an iconic duo and iconic historical figure. And then you got him and Ari Aster, who is arguably the uh, most, I guess, sought after uh, horror director going right now. So I'm pumped to see what's going to happen with these two and what magic they conjure up. Well, that does it for this week's checkup with Dr. Rowe. Next, I'm going to throw it over to Nez, and we're going to review HBO Max's documentary, Diego Maradona. Our uh, review of the week, um, which is to honor the late, great soccer icon, Diego Maradona. Uh, In order to honor him, we reviewed the uh, actually pretty recent uh, HBO documentary um, that basically – goes over most of his time in Italy and a little bit into his, into his regular life. Uh, Diego Maradona was definitely a very complicated human being, a soccer icon, a global icon, uh, something, somebody that players look up to, um, you know, even now and kind of remember uh, somebody that is iconic and beloved by his people in Argentina. Um, So we felt after his passing recently uh, that it was only right that we would review this documentary um also formerly a doc talk something that dr o has blogged about so feel free to log into the driveinpod.com uh, and go check that out because there's a very well well written blog about that as well um but what we'll, we're going to do is we're just going to open up the discussion and kind of re- give our review and our take on um, the maradona documentary from hbo so um i guess i'll just open up the discussion here um you know give me your thoughts guys uh tell me about you know how you feel about the documentary and I guess Maradona himself. So leading off as Nez pointed out, I wrote a doc talk. I wrote two this week, one on the a recent Belushi documentary and then a second one on Diego Maradona. I felt it was appropriate to watch this one and write a review on it after his tragic passing at the age of 60. But um, what I, what really drew me to this documentary and I thought it was phenomenal. I gave it a 93 out of a hundred. I thought that it, like it had the inside look uh, during Maradona's life. It had almost 24 seven access to Maradona. Like the mm-hmm. footage we got of Maradona was incredible. Whether he was in Napoli for the first time on that, that epic car ride with the fans screaming in the streets as he was uh, arriving at his home, new home mm-hmm. arena. Like it was an, it was electric atmosphere. And also the 24 seven access, it allowed you to get that emotional touch with the documentary because mm-hmm. Diego Maradona wore his emotions on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you felt everything that was happening when he scored a goal and he did us when he, if he was making a sick cut on a dime against a defender and then potting one or setting a through ball, like, and then him just going crazy. It was, you felt like the happiness or like, like later on in the documentary, second half, when his life is starting to turn to shambles and he's getting, becoming more and more of a drug addict. He's getting in with them in, uh, in the wrong places with them, with the uh, mob. It's mm-hmm. like, you feel his pain and like the struggles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just love that act. It almost was like, um, it almost was similar to the last dance in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I thought a very interesting part of the documentary was basically them touching upon how there's, you know, there's Diego and then there's Maradona, who's the global brand or the, the person in the icon. And it's interesting when you take somebody from such small roots in, in, in Argentina and then you put them uh, at global superstardom. Uh, you know, this is way removed from where we are now not in the age of uh you know social media and all this stuff and also there's there 
you know, these lessons weren't really learned, right? So he's kind of figuring it out as he goes. He can't really be going off of past athletes' experiences because he was like, he was Michael Jordan before there was Michael Jordan, Maradona. He's Maradona. Like when you're like, you know how Michael Jordan was Jordan? Diego Maradona was Maradona. And, you know, the only other person that I think has um, that kind of uh reach in terms or or i guess branding when it comes to soccer in the past i guess like there's pele there's ronaldo there's messi and stuff like that but there's not much more and he was the original you know it feels like so um it's just very interesting to see it it was like he was like the first ever guy he was trial by fire really on this superstardom and kind of being in this situation so uh, i thought it was really interesting so uh flicks what are your thoughts yeah just to piggyback on that i think it's interesting how if we compare it to Michael Jordan, like the comparison you guys were mentioning, Michael Jordan, like, sure, he's an international superstar. In the last dance, you saw his rise to international stardom, but still, it's the NBA, still the main focus on America. And soccer, it's all Europe. And he comes over from Argentina, a small team there, and actually a prolific uh, soccer academy now. And that's kind of started with Maradona. But he goes over to Barcelona, the biggest, one of, if not top three biggest clubs in the world. And mm-hmm. He actually doesn't – like, he shows his talents, but he doesn't live up to his hype with, through injuries and uh, other issues that come along. But this documentary really focuses on when he arrives to Napoli. And I think one of the best things in this documentary is what you alluded to, Dr. Rowe, is that you felt the waves that Maradona was on. You felt when he was on the pitch. You felt that rush of adrenaline while you were watching, or you felt while he was partying, you felt, like, the good, good vibes, the good times – but then near towards the end of the documentary, when he was on his uh, trajectory downwards with the mob and the cocaine use, you felt, you felt those lows, you felt them with them. And I think the filmmaker did a great job with that. And like I, and to bring it all back to my original point with MJ is that soccer in Europe has always been the number one aspect. Michael Jordan kind of brought over, started the, like, with 1992 Olympics with the dream team that kind of mm-hmm. helped with the international stardom with the NBA and Jordan himself. But with Maradona, like mm-hmm. he was the star of an already established number one sport in a continent. And he just took the world by storm. The world, Syria, yeah. yeah. And he took the world by storm in Syria. Like Syria isn't like what it is today. It was a lot, it was a lot more discrepancy. It's not who that is winning every year, which I know we don't have the most soccer listeners, I bet, but who just wins it every year. Back then, like mm-hmm. Napoli was towards the bottom, and they like Naples mm-hmm. is a strong is a very popular city in in Italy, obviously, but they weren't very well established. He kind of brought them to the forefront in champ in the international uh, tournament called the Champions League. He won won multiple Champions League with them and brought them to the top, which they've never seen before. So it's just interesting mm-hmm. how this film like rode the wave of Napoli, a, a club at the time that wasn't really well regarded, instead of Barcelona, his the pre nineteen eighty four didn't ride that wave. So it's just interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually very. I, I, I wanted to. Co- no, no worries. I uh, you'll go after me. I I just wanted to comment. I was going to comment on, you know, knowing the way that, uh, or or actually them just saying like Italy being Italy's Serie A team or league being the the world soccer power and like being the best league in the world. Uh, it's not, it's not like that anymore. It's not, it's, it's, it's one of the, uh, it's, it's not, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think it's a top three league. People would probably debate me, debate me on that. Um, you know, it's definitely top five. It's one of the better leagues in the world. Don't get me wrong. Because there's so many, um, but them, you know, at that point, 
when he was dominant, when he was dominating this league and dominating internationally, it was at a point where the Italian soccer league was, you know, they had all the greatest players in the world or most of the greatest players in the world. So um, it it was just really cool to see him kind of take, take this, uh, this, this low, this lowly team and kind of elevate them to the top. It, It was, I thought that was fantastic. That that six year run he had, oh, that's like that peak is better than any other peak maybe in soccer history. That was insane. Definitely. Where he took Napoli, and then like he obviously the top of Serie A, then he's winning the World Cup, and then even as he's going at the end of the six year period, I called it in my blog like Sandy Koufax, like when he's in the sixties pitching for the Dodgers, he mm-hmm. was on such a heater, he was like unstoppable. And then eventually he at the end he's even he made the World Cup final obviously, and he beat Italy. <laughs> In uh, like literally in Nap in uh, in Naples, uh, during the World Cup and was it ninety? And uh, the thing is, dude, he at that point of his career, he was hopped up on coke and he was like not even like the athlete he was, and he was still dominant. It was mm-hmm. like crazy to see that aspect of his life, and it made me just wonder. Imagine if this dude existed right now, and we had him on Twitter and we had him on social media. Like if oh we had God. him on Instagram and by the way, phenomenal dancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine we get like clips of him. Like hips don't dancer. lie. Right. With, with him, Maradona phenomenal. Mm. But uh, I just kept thinking in my head, he's like, and I saw a tweet from PFT uh, commenter. He said that uh, he basically would be like Johnny Manziel. If Johnny Manziel was the best ever at, at American football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like what he would That's be. That's a great comparison. And like, he, like his, it's like insane how successful he was, even when mm. his life was falling apart. It's just mm-hmm. how talented the dude was. And I can watch yeah. his highlights all day. That's another thing I, w- I think would be a, a, a cool, con- obviously like his social media and his celebrity status in the, in this era of celebrity. Uh, but I also think, I mean, this guy was like na- a natural athlete. He was extremely physically gifted. I mean, his thighs, his hammies could pull a tractor, right? <laughs> I mean, this guy was like, this guy was yoked up. And this was back in the day when they didn't have all this advanced, uh, you know, physical, you know, exercise. I don't know. The, I, I don't, I can't figure out the exact name for it, but all the advanced exercise methods and, and meal plans and stuff like that. If you put that dude on LeBron's workout regimen or something like that, I mean, he's or like let's all right, or like Messi, let's, like let's go like Cristiano's, like let's go Ronaldo's workout regiment. I mean, like he's easily the greatest ever, right? But this dude was blowing coke and drinking and partying, Crazy. and he was still dominating. So yeah, but, uh, that's just mm-hmm. absolutely unbelievable. It's interesting too how soccer when you like need all the endurance, it's crazy. No, but it's interesting how he would like go out and party after a game. But then a couple hours later, like after, like he would go out to like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and then a couple hours later, he'll show up on time to his trainer at the Napoli training ground to go run, yeah, like miles upon miles. And like he would never like show any, show anything, any signs of weakness or like tiredness or hungoverness or whatever. It's just, it's absurd. And a thing that was going through my mind while rewatching this documentary was like if he had social media, like we were just talking about, like you think of Ronaldo, all he does is post his eight pack all over social media and like all his beach excursions mm-hmm. and like Messi just does like training videos of just him doing fancy juggling. What would Maradona do? Like what would he Pardon. be posting right now? Like he would totally change even the social media landscape. Yeah. He would be, he would be just an electric factory. Yeah. I, I, I think it'd be him dancing. Like yeah. It'd be him, it, dancing. Him, and then just doing crazy stuff, like being he'd, with he'd people be in the crowd. TikTok. 
Oh, Maradona <laughs> one on TikTok, killing the dances. Yes, he be yes, and he would be like creating all the trends, no doubt. <laughs> what oh, what was I was going to say? Um, I, I wanted to bring up the uh, the back half of the movie because a lot of it obviously focused on that six year run he had there during the eighties and early nineties, but then it also got into the dark aspects and why. What I kind of one of my criticisms of this documentary is that it kind of didn't want to make Maradona look bad, even though he had his faults. Right? It was like overloading on the highlights. Uh, it talked about what a god he was in two different countries, and then it would kind of like it would go over his mob associations, and it got more important towards the end. But uh, when it came to like his jail sentencing and everything like in that nature, and like that what he went through in the '90s and the early 2000s, it kind of just like decided not to bring it up. Like, like I thought it was just a weird transition from the point where he basically is being sentenced and then all of a sudden we are fast forwarding to a 2006 interview. Yeah. So I know the focus of this movie was a six year period, but I thought that was just an awkward phase of the movie that they kind of like didn't want to, it was supposed to be a celebration of his life. So they kind of like decided like, eh, maybe we're just going to gloss over. They kind of packed it in at the end. end. They kind of packed it in at the end. They just decided, all right, we got through the Sandy Koufax era, like you mentioned, the 84 through 1990, mm-hmm. the glory days of Maradona and Napoli. And then they kind of, then I thought an underrated part of this film that no one ever talks about is how Napoli and him at the end just had a bad marriage, like a marriage gone terribly wrong at the end, where they just did not support mm-hmm. him at the end, where he deserved more than anything, <laughs> um, more than anything that they were right. willing to offer. And that just ended poorly. And then from then, I think that goes to your point of saying that they kind of just said, okay, that's basically the end of the documentary, but we need to fill out the rest of the space. That's the way it felt to me, maybe not to others, but I think it felt the same to you as what you're describing. I, I really wanted to see more on after the jail sentence, because I know you, you, we, after we kind of conversed after we both watched it a second time and there are a lot of turbulent things that's ha- that have happened to Maradona during that time period. And it's kind of absurd. There could mm-hmm. be like a lot, like we always say this about every single athlete, like a Michael Jordan or a Maradona, there could be a last dance 10 part like series for Maradona. It's absurd. Like there's levels to it. There's yeah. chapters. Yeah. So it's just, I felt like they kind of just packed it in at the end to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Agreed. hundred percent. So uh, moving on. I mean, what do you guys give for scores? I think we uh, kind of we cover a lot of this. We covered a lot of this documentary, and we obviously all kind of adored Maradona, and we uh, love what we saw. So, what do we give for scores? I know I already gave it a ninety-three. Yeah i I gave it a ninety-five. I think that besides of what I just said, the only other critique I would give it is that I know it's not an English-speaking country, but I could have loved some more English. It's not like in I there was less English in this than in Narcos. There's so many subtitles and I felt like I had to really, really focus just to watch a soccer mm-hmm. documentary. But right. besides those two mm-hmm. aspects, I thought it was a great balance between the soccer and like the nightlife and all the extracurricular activities and the never before seen footage. Like I think a great example of this, like you, we always get these in documentaries, never before seen footage, like in the last dance when he's gambling and like he's on the bus, stuff like that. With Maradona, it was like not only the nightlife, but it was like at the World Cup and they have the barbecue and his dad's cooking. Like, I think that was unreal. I never seen that before in my life. And like, I've never seen it before, like with Maradona or just in general, 
like a team actually getting together like that, like not at a restaurant, like a, like an HBO 24 seven for the winter classic or something like that. Stuff like that. I think it's just unbelievable when that stuff comes out for things like this, like a world cup. What are you going to say? Dr. That, the yeah. one, the one aspect, the one footage I want to talk about the private like footage, it was following the world cup. And it was, at, it was, it was the Nap- team Napoli dinner, right? When he is being crushed by Italy. And he's like not being oh, welcomed right. by his teammates. You know what I'm talking Obs- about at yes. the end? That, was, that oh. was the most powerful part of the documentary to me. It's where he's saying, like, do what he doesn't even recognize where he belongs anymore. They he's all saying, hate him. Like, demand. Like Napoli does Napoli doesn't even want me. And then you could just see literally, and he wears his like emotions on his sleeve. You feel his pain. That, mm-hmm. I thought that was incredibly powerful. So I just I wanted to bring up that moment. And like the American audience, like like I'm sure they're aware of it. It's similar to like the Olympics, but in soccer, it's even crazier because in soccer, they have literally international breaks throughout their season for two weeks, every month or every, every other month where they go off to their international team. So like if you're American, you go off to the American national soccer team and you leave the continent to go with them and you play with your national team, but then you come back to your team and you might've just faced them the previous week. Like it's absurd the way like they, that uh, international soccer performs their like they're the soccer performs the international breaks is totally different than in America in American sports. But that divide I thought was just eye opening for Americans, especially for me. Yeah. I, I also want to comment. I mean, I, in terms of the English, uh, I, I totally understand why there wasn't much that, why it wasn't in English, this documentary, everybody was speaking Italian or Spanish. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not really upset about that. Like it makes sense. Um, I really want to comment on the overall storytelling uh, strategy that they that they took when it came to this documentary. Um, it was one of the first doc. I think it might be the first documentary I've ever seen where I didn't see any cameras of people sitting in a room. It was only audio, and they would show us a you know they would show us you know video montages over it. But it's not you there you know there's no like Diego Maradona sitting in a room and they're just kind of facing him unless it's like an old press conference or an old interview. But all of the modern day interviews are are, are kind of just voice dubbed over, and it's and mm-hmm. you know they're constantly showing you this uh, never before seen footage or even you know just any any footage. Uh, I just thought it was a really interesting way to go about it. Um, and, and it kind of really captivates you and, and it puts you there. You know what I mean? I mean, I know Dr. O said that that you could feel all the emotion and everything going on. And I feel like it's because the camera was always on Maradona back then. And it wasn't really, it wasn't really on him or anybody telling the story uh, in present day or, or, you know, when they made it. So I agree a hundred percent Nez. And it's funny enough. I wrote, one of my in my doc talk, I wrote one on John Belushi documentary that came out on Showtime last week. But uh, what I wrote about it, they did a similar act. They had a similar storytelling strategy where they did audio recordings from a 2005 uh, autobiography, uh, not autobiography, it wouldn't make sense, but a biography for John Belushi. Mm-hmm. And it had recordings from like Carrie Fisher, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Lorne Michaels. And they were just, it was just uh, basically showing Belushi highlights. It was kind of cool. And then they, uh, instead of showing the interviewee, right. And like the showing them, they're just showing, they're having their voice over like John Belushi acting. And then they, if they didn't have enough footage, they actually um, uh, 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 implemented cartoons mm-hmm. that were 
okay. They weren't that they're not not that well done because it's not like an athlete where you just put on highlight reel after highlight reel. But uh, it was a similar strategy. But I thought the same thing. Right, that's kind of a rarity now. So I hundred percent agree. All right. So I think uh, just to conclude this, uh, my final score, I I'll give it an eighty-eight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a very well done, well told story. Um, overall, I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great documentary. Um, so yeah, you know, I'll give it, it's what 88, it's like 4.5 out of five stars. That's pretty, pretty dang good. Um, so yeah. And if anybody has anything else to say, um, other than that, we can kind of go ahead and move on. It's on Hulu and HBO max. Go watch it. It's on Hulu. Maradona. Rest in peace, Maradona, global icon. Um, you know, Definitely a complex, uh, not character, he's a real person, but a comp- very complex person who uh, lived just an absolute insane life mm-hmm. uh, and definitely one wor- worth making a documentary over. So uh, that concludes our coverage of Maradona. Uh, stay tuned for Top Billing next. All right. Thank you, Nez. And now the much-anticipated Top Billing for this week here on the Drive-In Podcast. The best movie pets okay so pretty simple it could be any animal but it has to be a pet okay it's going to be a draft style okay so we're going to do snake draft i'm going to do it i have a name generator here so we're going to sort out the order in just a second but the last rule is you have to have at least one non-dog in your top billing okay so you could have four dogs three dogs two dogs one dog whatever we have to have at least one that isn't a dog, that is a pet, of course, in a movie. Looking at you, Nez. But okay, <laughs> let's generate the order here. Nez, All right, we're generating the order. Nez, Doctor O, and Ricky Flicks. We're gonna oh, go. Sorry. Nez, Nez is number one. Doctor O is number two. Oh, sorry, this isn't the order yet. I'm just generating it. Oh damn. What the heck? What was that tease? Yeah, you, uh, that was, was that. Not me I'm, I'm sharing my screen just so I could show you what I'm doing here. I'm sh- I'm sharing. Oh, as okay. In, yeah. Evidence. So I'm okay. assigning everyone a number so, so I can I'm, generate. I am I am one. Yes, I'm about that, to click. That makes answer. sense because I came in first in last week's top billing voting. So asterisk. But here we go. Okay, so I get the first overall pick. Oh, how convenient! Oh. <laughs> I just showed it. I'm sharing my screen with you guys. Did you even click you know, the... Right, fine, we can see, go again. No, no, no. Yeah, And Dr. O gets oh, the second pick. Oh, collusion. And then wow. he gets... This is a good order. A week removed from my dominant win. This is a good order. You guys want to put me last. Good. This is a good order. All right. All right. But, all right. So it's going to go Ricky Flicks, Dr. Rowe, then Nez. And then it's going to snake it. So it's going to go Nez, Dr. Rowe, then Ricky Flicks. But... I have the first overall pick. I think you can go anywhere here. I don't like how I have the first overall pick, but I will pick one that probably. Sh- I think. My- I think I know what Flix is going to say. Want to say it? No. Okay, I'm going to go Brandy. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Down, Are you Brandy- That's the one I had. Brandy. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh. Ricky Flix, at number one overall. Can't say enough about this dog. Can't say enough about it. Her. Saves Brad Pitt and Leo's wife. Changes very good dog. History. Beautiful looking dog. Strong. Very attentive. And oh, I just I fell in love with this dog right away. Right when Brad Pitt enters his trailer at the, behind that driving movie theater, 
right when he was feeding her and she was just so like followed everything she said and she was just so lovable. I loved her. All right. My number one pick, Brandy from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just a beautiful, beautiful dog and and well-behaved. An amazing dog. That was definitely at the top of my draft board as well, I have to admit. Yeah. I mean, such a good dog. Literally saves saves Brad Pitt, saves Leo, and changes the course of history. Mm. Changes the course of history. Unbelievable. Dr. O, you're up. My number one pet. I'm going to go with John Wick's dog. John Wick's dog. Dog. No name. Care to elaborate? Nope. It's just a well. I'm not. I. I guess it's also important to say which dog I pick because yeah. there's the two. I'm not gonna. I feel like I sh- I'm not gonna take the first one. Uh, not first of all, not in and out. First one was cute, but yeah. first one was extremely. Yeah, cute, I couldn't pick that dog. I'm gonna do the one that's by his side, right throughout the second film. And then I'm dropping him off during the third film, close relationship, even though he doesn't even give it a name. Uh, he's there like by his side sometimes when he's, when he's kicking butt and I, I'm just going to pick John Wick's dog. And I love the John Wick franchise. The dogs make it part of like part of the reason why the uh, franchise is so, so iconic is the connection to dogs. It brought him back, brought John Wick back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great picks, boys. Great picks. Um, you know, coming off from last week's uh, obliteration of you guys, oh, uh, I've really prepared a, a succinct list for this week. So you won um, by like eight percent, not even. <laughs> my draft board is extremely deep. Um, well, I, I was up by a lot, and I think flicks uh, created some burner opposite. accounts, created right, some burner accounts to to create some sort of vo- voter fraud. But you know, I'm we're getting to that different. Bur- I am curious if flicks is any burners. Oh, he oh definitely my. does. I, he definitely. He has a Manchester United burner account, a Steelers burner account. Oh, did you account, see that one today? Great comeback account. one, three to two. Hmm. I don't right, want to talk about the Premier League right it. now. Um, all right, so my first round pick is Samantha from I Am Legend. Uh, oh, a, a dog loyal as heck to the end. Uh, well-behaved, very similar to Brandy from Once a Time in Hollywood. Um, ma- uh, definition of man's best friend. Uh, ultimate companion. And um, just a really, really sad, sad spoilers for I Am Legend, even though it came out a century ago. Um, you know, when, when that dog passes away, uh, you really feel it, you know. Um, but just a great dog in a really good movie. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe deserved a Best Supporting a- Actress nom, you know. <laughs> Who knows? Who's to say? Who's no, to say? Similar to what Dr. O was saying, especially with I Am Legend, when it's literally one person in the movie. And that's mm-hmm. the only other character you feel that as like that movie did such a good job connecting with the audience and really exhibiting Will Smith's feelings in that movie. And Samantha was such a key part, similar to what Dr. O was saying about John Wick, but I think even more so in I Am Legend with Samantha. Excellent point. I know I'm being really serious about this, but that was very heartfelt when I watched that movie yeah. for the first time. Yeah, for sure. Good pick. For sure. Back to you, Nez. Oh, it's back to me. I get double. Wrap it oh, around. I forgot about the snake. Snaking draft. it. Okay. So what we're going to go with here is uh, Ghost from Game of Thrones. If you no, do this, no, I'm, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, ki- I'm totally kidding. I just oh watched <laughs> I did think about doing that, like, despite you. I, I did think about doing that. I almost to be honest, I had planned on doing that the fir- and with my first pick, and I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to do it. I had to give you guys a TV. Yeah, it would have been too funny. 
it was it was too, it was too easy it was too easy all right my real pick um for the second uh, my second round pick for the best movie uh pets of all time uh would have to be mr bigglesworth from austin powers <laughs> the hairless cat <laughs> An, uh, an all-time no it has hair i think in the first one right and then it ends up yeah, being yeah, it, does, it loses the hair right? it loses the hair yeah um an all-time companion always plotting destruction um and you know like a lot of cats in this world not all cats are very different but de- definitely temperamental um but the if you're if you're an evil villain a cat is the perfect thing for you to have because they're right by your side planning plot and destruction uh and probably knocking over stuff in your secret lair at some point um, you know, maybe when you're trying to type up your secret secret plans, Mr. Bigglesworth or the associated evil cat is stepping on your laptop and uh, typing away while you're trying to create some sort of evil diabolical plan. Uh, Mr. Bigglesworth, my second round pick for best movie pets of all time. That's a good one. Do you, Flex, did you consider that one? I did not even have it on my big board. I did. I did think of it for a hot second but not good enough for my big board, but we'll move on. Fun, fun you, fact, you, my first Xbox 360 Xbox Live name was Mr. Bigglesworth, but it was like with ones and threes and all these because, you know, it was oh, already man. taken. But uh, people like, called me Bigglesworth. They'd be like, yo, Bigglesworth. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm Scroopy Noopers on the Xbox One. Oh, man. Dr. O, your second pick. Uh, so Nez got, already took care of his non-dog, right? So uh, with Mr. Bigglesworth. So I'm I'm gonna. That's go, a value pick right there, baby. I'm, st- I'm staying on dog. I'm gonna go Baxter Anchorman. Great pick. Baxter Anchorman. He literally saves Ron Burgundy's life uh, at the end of the movie. He communicates with other animals. Um, even <laughs> part of one of the funniest scenes in the movie when he is punted by Jack Black <laughs> after he loses <laughs> his burrito. After he th- after Burgundy throws his burrito onto <laughs> it, ruins Jack ruins Jack Black's bike. Uh, Baxter, number two, and it's also hilarious when he communicates with Ron in the apartment. Great pick. That was my number three on my big board, but I'm going to go with my number two and non-dog, Stitch. From no! Stitch. Wow. That, I thought I thought I was, I was where I was going to get it. I was thinking about going number one overall. That's why I hesitated in the beginning. I think this is the oh. best non-dog pet on the board. Lilo and Stitch, such an underrated movie. Love that movie. And the first, the scene when uh, the main character actually meets Stitch, I think is phenomenal with the inside the dog pound. And it's just so funny how Stitch is just so not, uh, how he's actually come to be a pet and how he's not used to it and how they have this bond created throughout the movie. The Elvis scene, all time. Stitch, my non-dog pet on my big, on my, on my top billing here. Is he a pet though? It seems yes. like their best friend. This, is, this, is, this, this was a, the controversy that was in my pocket. This is like, I Scooby- don't know. Like we Scooby- might have she to, got him from have a dog veto pound. that one. She got him from a dog. We're pound. in, we're in power veto territory. Not a dog. Well, did they get Scooby-Doo from a dog pound? Well, wow, that's not really with receipts. You know, I actually pet? can't. He got him out of dog pound. He got him at a pet, almost at a pet store. Essentially. Yeah, but like, is Scooby Doo a do- is Scooby Doo a pet? Or is he- yeah, Scooby Doo is totally a pet. Yeah, Shaggy just owns Scooby Doo. It's I not an equal partnership. That's not the I same thing. Stitch be. needs Stitch needs like assurances. He gets grounded and stuff. Like he gets like sent out outside and things like that. Scooby Doo, like 
he only does it as like a joke kind of he, he does it with shaggy shaggy goes outside with them you know that's more of a partnership that's not really a pet i always figured them as like a tag team yeah, I don't consider him a pet. I consider Stitch a pet because he was from a do- he literally came from a dog pound. All right, we'll put an asterisk on it. No, in. no, no. Alien. We'll put an asterisk on it. No, there's no asterisk I'm on just, Stitch. I'm, I'm trying to stir up some controversy that, that this was my non-dog pick as well that you stole from me. Okay, well, all right, you could think that, but it's mine. <laughs> now, my number three, this is where you can pick it. I don't like I had Baxter at my number three. Dr. O unfortunately took that. So now, now we're at like the middle ground in my big board here. A lot of things overlap with each other. I'm going to go Balto. Does that count? I don't know if that counts. You don't, because he was. Just, that's what, all right. I was afraid you were going to say that. For the sake of no controversy, I'll make it easy. Abu and Aladdin. Balto's own, though, isn't he? Mm. He, I'm gonna go Abu, Abu with that. Really avoid controversy. Abu's I think really Abu is just a great, lovable character that really sneaky. It fits Aladdin's personality, and then it gets the comedic uh, relief uh, for the movie. And just Abu is just an adorable character and a little monkey. And then he turns into the elephant. I think that's a great scene. And I'm talking about the animated Abu, of course. Um, but Abu will be my third pick. Avoiding Abu controversy. Abu is a great pick. Good pick. I'll give you that. I, I, love, I love Abu. What a name name okay so it's on your name my third pick i'm gonna go non-dog because you guys have already done so i'm gonna go buckbeak from harry potter buckbeak so uh first of all he hates draco malfoy attack draco malfoy i'm all on board with that he takes harry potter for riots he's best friends with hagrid so i'm just um if i want to go flying i just tap on buckbeak say hey let's go um buckbeak one of the best parts of one of the best animals, one of my favorite creatures coming from the Harry Potter franchise. Number three would make a great pet. Uh, I was obsessed with Buckbeak when I was little. And uh, it was when I was very young. I couldn't even read the Harry Potter books. But my brother, uh, who I told you is a huge Harry Potter fan, he had a bunch of really cool books. He had all like all this whole Goosebumps collection. He had Animorphs, uh, Harry Potter. And what I would do when I was young and I couldn't read really, I would just look at the covers of the books and be like, well, that's cool. That's <laughs> cool. And the cover of the Harry Potter book with Buckbeak on it, holy crap, I that's used to that. love – that was my favorite one. That was so my good. favorite one that I would just look at. I couldn't read. But I was like, this is really cool. I love this book. We watch love movies here. We don't read. Exactly. This isn't the this isn't the drive-in book podcast. This is the movie podcast. Got that right. All right. Is it is it does it go to me now? Or yeah, no, you got two. You got two. Okay. I have two again. Okay. So uh what I will do here is I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh Toto. From the Wizard of Oz, boo. Um, probably the most faint. What do you mean, boo? I hate the Toto. Most... Why do you hate Toto? Why do you hate Toto? Did you not? You know Toto's song. I'm not a big Africa? Wizard of Oz fan. I'm not. I'm not a big oh, Wizard yeah. of Oz fan. After the Wizard of Oz, she broke off and had her own music career, where she where she came out with the with that huge hit Africa. In she the was the inspiration for the song. Yeah. Stop. but let me just justify this pick real quick probably the most famous movie dog of all time name a more famous 
Scooby Doo, yes. But is Scooby Doo a movie? Oh, is Scooby Doo a movie dog? Uh, yes, I thought, I it's a movie it dog. More of a more of a TV show dog. I agree with Nez. It's definitely definitely like the most famous dog in the history of movies. Recognizable, yeah. yeah I'll give it's you Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Like, come on, people. Be, also, like great grandparents can quote The Wizard of Oz and talk about Toto, but great camp- grandparents they will not be quoting Scooby Doo to you. I rest my case. Moving on to my fourth pick. Yeah, just move on because we're not going to agree on it. Clearly. (laughs) My fourth pick is The Beast from the Sandlot. Mm, On my big board. This this dog, this dog is iconic, epic. It creates such a sense of, I don't even know, like, like anxiety or like, oh, it, when I was young and I was watching the Sandlot when I was very young, it almost made it like it was a thriller because the beast was so intimidating to me at that time. They make the beast to be such a scary being and beast, well, beast, literally. Um, and at the end of the day, it's probably, probably just a good boy. You know, it's just a huge dog uh, mm-hmm. that chases, um, I can't remember the, the character's name. Benny the Jet. Benny the Jet across town. Um, but it, it's almost the entire, that entire movie. It's just the, pre- the, the, the presence of that dog is felt, you know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. create such a presence for it, which is why it belongs on this list because it's, it's almost like it's, you're thinking about it the entire movie. And you as soon as you start to forget, they bring it up again and you get a little bit more intimidated by this dog until the final ultimate finale at the end, when he's chasing Benny the jet across town, one of the most iconic, uh, dog chase scenes in any movie. Uh, and you know, just an iconic dog itself, the beast from the Sandlot. Legendary story to it too. If you have a dog with a legendary like myth to it, and then they meet the dog, and it's the nicest dog in the world. That's just like to me, that makes it like ten times cooler. Yeah, like a larger than life <laughs> figure. Yeah, the whole movie surrounding he is it. A, he is a big boy. Mm, big yeah, boy. good pick. It was definitely on my big board. Mm. Um, so it goes back to me. Back to you. This is interesting. I want to go with a pet. It's not a cute pet, but it's a pet that would be very serviceable and it would be a good friend to me, which is kind of what you want in a pet. Someone that's loyal. I don't know what's, what you guys think of this, but I'm going to go Ratatouille. I'm going to go Ratatouille as my pet. All right? Master Chef, show me the ropes. Okay. And then he's also going to be by my side, even when, uh, th- when, even when I'm a lonely guy, I'm going to have Ratatouille with me. Not the most gorgeous pet. Obviously, we're talking about a rat here, all right? But we don't judge a book by its cover, as Ratatouille's told us. Uh, are we going to allow Ratatouille? Are we okay with that? I'm okay with it. Nez is. I don't know if a pet can have an occupation. I mean, this, this, dog, this, this rat, had, this could pay bills, you know? It was a world-class chef. No, well, if no one knows about it but me, uh, we're. I guess we'll put an asterisk on that oh one too. Uh, giving me the. I, 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 was, default, I was. I was. I was clearing my my list is plentiful. I was just making sure that we are allowed. To <gasps> I'm, just me- <laughs> I'm just. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Ratatouille, if that's an adopted pet, it's an adopted pet from the streets. I'm. Yeah. I'm a hero. I'm a hero for nominating. I'll right? allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. And so for one power veto. <clears throat> so I think the more pressing issue here is, or <clears throat> no, is will there be a Ratatouille musical soon? 
on Broadway. I think that's the more that, pressing issue. God, I hope so. TikTok's taking over. There's not there's not even songs in the movie, is there? Gusto singing, is that it? No, but like TikTok, there's, there's people dressing up and doing on stage like rehearsals of Remy, <laughs> Remy and all the rats and Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. It's like Remy from Ratatouille. It like they like, go off on that stuff. It's crazy. Literally it's taken over TikTok the past two weeks. Like she went in there. Oh, I am clipping that. You best believe. Oh God. Well, going to my fourth overall pick, I'm going to pick Max from The Grinch. Speaking Solid of loyal and this and within, you know, this dog is more loyal than any other dog probably on my list, except maybe once upon a time. This dog lives with the Grinch on top of a mountain in the garbage dump of a town with hooves. That is insane. The stench in that uh, that dump where they live and they never leave. I can't imagine living there. And if he stays with the Grinch, the meanest person in the meanest person in any child's movie almost, just that dog is loyal. I want that type of dog. I want a dog that will do anything for me. That dog was trying to steal Christmas with a person. That dog, I want by my side in the worst of times, Max from the Grinch. All right. Iconic Quality Christmas pick. Got to give it to you, especially uh, given you know the holiday season that, it, that is currently among us. So mm. uh, I'll definitely give that to you. Thank you, Naz. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I'll allow it. And then finally, my last one, I'm going to go Milo from The Mask. Milo from The Mask. I love this dog. Just the scenes when he actually has the mask and he gets the powers, I think, are awesome in this movie. And and Jim Carrey, I think, just makes uh, this dog even better. Just really bringing this dog just be more enjoyable to us. Like the scene where he's trying to break him out of prison and he's trying to leap above into the bars and, like, bring the keys to Jim Carrey. I think that's a great scene. And then also, obviously, like I said, near the end, when he takes control of the mask during the whole shootout with the mobsters, Milo, great name. Would love to, would love a dog named Milo. Milo Mm -hmm. from the mask. My last. That's a real, that's a really cute, that's a really cute dog. Definitely. Mm. Yes. But there's definitely better out there. Yeah. I used to, I used to watch the mask. Walter Frey. (laughs) It's Walter. Yeah. yeah, I used to love The Mask. I used to love, love, love that movie. That movie is great when you're very young. I uh, I tried to to watch that with a friend of mine um, recently, within the past like two years. You're like, oh, this movie was so funny. Let's watch it. It's not. It does the, the jokes don't hit for me anymore. It's very slapstick. Very just like oh, like, you know. It's very like funny for like if you're like six. It is, like a, it is a cartoon brought to life. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're six years old, it's the funniest thing ever. And, and, but if you're an adult male in their 20s, it's not <laughs> going to be as funny. Yeah, and like the, the mobsters are so bad in it. Like every, every time you watch yeah. it, like it gets worse yeah. every time. Learn that, um, learn that the hard way. Doesn't sure. affect That's Milo, a spicy meatball. <laughs> that, scene, that scene still kicks. And then uh, what was I going to say? I used to like rent that. There, I used to rent that from Blockbuster like every other week. One of the most <laughs> rent, rentable movies ever at Blockbuster. So is that your last pick, Flex? Yep, that's my last pick. Now to you. So I'm torn between two. I'm going to go with the one that I haven't picked a movie from. Uh, I haven't picked a pet from this movie. I'm going to go Jinxie Cat uh, from Each Parents. <laughs> Jinxy Cat, Mr. Jinx. Uh, a key part to the movie, one of the funniest parts is where Greg actually loses Jinxy Cat. Uh, 
<laughs> and then Greg tries to replace him, but there is no replacing <laughs> that. Um, but I think he also, uh, it's also like the, the smartest cat of all time. And it'd be hilarious if he was living in the same house as Jack Burns, which is one of the most underrated De Niro rows of all time. So I'm taking Jinxie Cat with my fifth pick. I'm not a cat guy, but if I were to have a cat, I want Jinxie Cat. Hmm. I'm not a cat guy either, but I understand the pick. I love cats. You gotta have some. You have to diversify. You can't just be all dogs. I definitely, I, agree. I definitely, I definitely lean dog, but I'm a big cat guy. I love cats. Cats are just like you have to respect cats more than dogs. They're not just gonna beg for your attention all the time. You gotta like be like, "Hello, good sir. Good morning. How are you?" You have to earn it. Yeah, you have to like really be like give give them the. This is your house as well. I understand. <laughs> Would you like some contract or some fish today? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Oh man, guys, you know, I really respect your guys' list. I respect that you guys didn't want to be too chalky. You guys wanted to pick your favorite ones. Um, but there's a clear outlier here. And when, when, when there comes to, to movie pets, there's, there's only one that everybody can think of. And you left it off of all 10 of your, uh, of your choices, uh, which I think was a huge mistake. Um, so the final pick of the draft, some might call it Mr. Irrelevant, but I think it might just be the most iconic. I think I have pretty much all the most iconic between the beast, between Toto and also between air, Bud. I didn't want to pick that. The dog. I didn't want to pick him either. Overrated. That will, that could, that could catch the ball like Terrell Owens and still put up a triple double. When he sees you back in the gym afterwards, this dog is a tank. Are you kidding me? Talk about an all-American athlete. This dog will put a triple-double up on you and go run for three touchdowns in a game. This dog this dog was unbelievable. It's the LeBron James of dogs where you could put it in any sport and you know that they will be successful. If you put LeBron in the NFL, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a nasty Pro Bowl tight end. You put Air, Air Bud and LeBron, they're, they're they're basically the same thing, really. They're basically the same thing. Yeah, the same I mean, exact thing. I just, I mean, I, maybe all right, all right, all right. Air Bud has a better clutch. What's what's the one with the, with the oh monkey? What's the one with the monkey champ? I, I I don't know. What's the one with the monkey? It's like they want to make that the next Air Bud, like the monkey. Uh, I think it's Champ. He played um, hockey. What is it, Flex? He played hockey. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like Air Bud, but a but a but a uh, chimpanzee. I don't know. All right. Anyways, Cat. all I gotta say is Air Bud is the goat, one of the greatest movie pets of all time. Can't believe you guys let it left it off your list. Um, an absolute beast of an animal, athletically. It was on my big board, but it did feel like too much chalk. It just chalk, felt like chalk, chalk. And also those movies are trash. We were being a little creative. I guess I was getting a little – I wanted to have some diversity on my list. I didn't want to pick too many dogs. So that's why I went the other way. But I, it was, it's definitely a clear – it deserves a spot on the list. Should not have made it all the way to, to the 15th pick of the draft for sure. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger on Air Bud. I just don't I mean, want to respect Air for the movies. I well, you better, the movie you might not have respect. You might not have respect for the movies, but you better respect his turnaround jumper. I do. Okay. Airbud would be a great pet to have. Like if you don't have a brother, or you don't have a sister to play with. If you had a pet like Airbud, that'd be epic. You go yeah, like he'd be, on one he'd be piecing you up. He'd be piecing you up. Right. But can he? Well, he can't really dribble though, can he? Like he's more of a he's like a fast break dribbler. 
the Clay Thompson. He's a catch and shoot. He's not like uh, he's not he's not he's the not Alley guy. He's the finisher with the, with the dangies, you know. Yeah, but a but a relentless defender. Like relentless. No, like a lot of reaching Air fouls, drop Sixty points, not one dribble. <laughs> sixty points, not one dribble. He needs a belly up at halftime. Like, literally, okay. he would be like the third splash brother if he was a uh, if he made his ranks all the way up through high school, goes to Duke, and then goes on the Warriors. He might have a height staff, issue, but third splash. He might have a height issue, but rounding out our. Top I don't think in a form with the salary cap and everything, but never know. Might take a pay cut. Ricky Flicks is top five, top billing. Once upon a time in Hollywood's Brandy, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, Abu from Aladdin, Max. The Grinch, and Milo from The Mask, which I'm carrying. Dr. Rose top billing, The Pitbull, John Wick, Baxter from Anchorman, Buckbeak from Harry Potter Prisoner, Azkaban, Remy from Ratatouille, and Jinxie Cat from Meet the Parents. And then Nez's, the least, Samantha from I Am Legend, Mr. Bigglesworth, Austin Powers, Toto, Wizard of Oz, The Beast, Sandlot, and then finally, Air Bud. What do you guys think? I like I think these. I'm lists. going back to back like Drake. Doesn't count if he, the other one got voided, but I think that rounds out our top billing here and thus our episode. Off to you, Nez. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Remember that you can check it us check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Check out our website, thedriveinpod.com. Uh, you can check out our Instagram, underscore the drive in. Um, or Twitter, the drive-in podcast. Um, please, please follow us, uh, like, and subscribe. And, you know, we'll see you next week. Smell you.